Hey, what's going on, everybody? You're listening to Seggy Station. This man that has a nickname, always a lot to say with no shame. Saturday, January 9, 2021. Hope all is well out there with everybody. Hope everyone's staying safe. Nick Seglin here. You're listening to Seggy Station Podcast. And I definitely got some company today. My man Smats, the stats kid, Shoe, an avid Mets fan. Today might as well be called the Smats Show. I'm super excited to have him here. We're going to get into a lot of Mets talk. We got some NFL game picks and we got some other stuff to cover potentially across the world of sports before we get out of here and watch an extremely jam-packed football Saturday, an extremely jam-packed football Sunday. And I know Smats is going to have something to say about what's been going on across the country this past week. But before we do that, Smats, what's good, kid? Oh, what's going on, everyone? It's Smats the Stats Kid coming back at you after, I don't know, what is it, a two, three-week hiatus at the this point? You Always. guys get the gist. It's, it's the same thing every time. Not we're anymore, little, though. Yeah, a little more consistency now that I'm done with work. Um, A lot of stuff to cover in the world of sports. I haven't been here in a while. There's been a few baseball trades. Um, I see that the Yankees traded for Greg Allen from the San Diego Padres. I think he makes around like 600k a year. That's a huge move for them. The Mets might have did something. We'll get into that. And then obviously the the Padres, man. How about the Padres? My Padres. Your Padres. The should Papas. Be your, should be wearing your jersey right now. The Papas. Absolutely. And then first and foremost, too, I just want to get this out. Unfortunately, the baseball community... Los Angeles and, you know, a lot of people lost a legend yesterday or two nights ago in yep. Tommy Lasorda. Uh, absolute legend. Um, that, that's all I can 93 say. 93 really. years old. Uh, yeah, he led them to two Wild. World Series titles, <clears throat> including 1988, where they upset the heavily favored Mets in the NLCS. Yep. Uh, Mike Sosha hit a famous home run in the ninth inning to tie game five, I believe, against, um, it was off of Doc Gooden, which is pretty incredible. And then they also upset the heavily favored, uh, I think they were like a 102-win team in the Oakland Athletics. And uh, that was the last title they won before you got to see them win at the end of last year. So it's a pretty cool uh, story right there. So shout out to... For sure, man. Shout out to people that have been passing away. Rest in peace. Prayers to the families. Pumped to get into the world of sports with you today, for sure. Right now, it's time for Straight Talk. Brought to you by Seggy Straight Talk. Microphone, it's always direct. Time to reflect. As always, appreciate all love and support. You follow along on my Instagram page, at Seggy Station, where you find out what's going on with the podcast. I got a couple rankings up on my Twitter page, at Seggy Station. You can also follow along on Twitch, it's underscore Seggy underscore G, where the live stream version of the podcast is always up and going. Got the podcast out on Spotify, Anchor Podcast, Google Cast, a bunch of different podcast spots. Hopefully get your podcast there. As always, appreciate all love and support. Chew, before we get into the Mets, because it is going to be a, a Nobel, let's talk about the Mets. Um, I'm so happy for you, dude, because we've talked about the Mets on my podcast since we've been doing it. Um, you know, I've been giving tributes. I had to go and erase a lot of my stuff to have room to now do what we're doing in 2021. 2021. And, uh, Getting a new setup going. Shout out to my neighbor. Like, I'm using his chairs now. I'm finally, like, out of my uh, futon. Got a little more Are space. These da- Hold up. Are these Dave's chairs? Yeah. Once I get going with Dave and Joyce? a little more space, I'll be able to actually have a little. But this is a lot more better in terms of comfortability. And once I get a little more in tune with uh, OBS, hopefully by Jay, I'll be able to do a little bit more with the stream. But much love to you. 
much love to all the people out there that support the podcast. And before we do get in the Mets, I did want to let you respond to anything you had to say about things that have been going on this past week because you were there talking this stuff with me throughout the entire year. You were there talking this stuff with me in terms of the social justice and all the things that happened in 2020 that I think were great. We had another extremely ridiculous incident, obviously, to start off the new year. And I I basically responded on it before Rich came the other day. But before I did let you say this, I just need to say that I saw that the man's Twitter account was banned permanently right now, which is something I had a I had a take on the other day. So I guess I was right on the money with that. If we're gonna get into takes, keep it banned. Number two, I talked about how I thought this whole situation was him being a bad sport, a poor loser. Things that I not only when I see in sports, but in situations like this, I just cringe about. Like one of the reasons why I hate Tom Brady is because in my opinion he's a bad bad sport. But getting back to that topic, it's basically oh, if we lose, it's rigged. It's this whole thing where people are just... And you can't get mad at the at the police, in my opinion, too. I just need to say this before you say anything, because from I've been hearing a bunch of people say this. This man, in my opinion, should go to jail for this, the people that died, because he literally not only tweeted about it, but sent these people down to the Capitol building, which, by the way, was invaded for the first time since, like, 1812. Like, just crazy stuff that happened. Uh, I just, I just don't even know where to begin with it. And I know you're probably just as disgusted as me, but I just want to let you say something before we talk about more sports. Uh, yeah. I mean, what really is there to say besides I'm absolutely fucking appalled. Um, people need to go to jail for their actions. People died. Um, what did you think was going to happen? Um, Donald Trump. Obviously, I'm not a big fan. Thank God he's getting out soon. But what we're seeing, it's just disgusting. I mean, there's huge differences. Black people were protesting and people with the Black Lives Matter movement because they didn't want to get shot and killed for situations like this. And then you look at what happened there. There's literally pictures of police officers taking selfies with guys, uh, letting people directly in. I understand it's dangerous. I feel terrible for the police officer that was crushed in between the doors people trying to get in it's absolutely horrible it's terrible and like it just kind of shows where this country is it's it's sad they didn't get their way so they're marching on the capitol uh it's disgusting donald trump's actions are disgusting um it's hard to even really put into words thinking about it um you know people have fought and died for this country to not have a confederate flag waved inside the capitol building and it was Um, the irony of these people literally climbing a wall to try to get in there when they wanted to put up a wall to keep people out, um, them dropping an American flag onto the ground to uh, wave a Trump flag. It's just, it's disgusting. And I think people really need to take a few steps back, like LeBron James said, and look at what you're doing because I'm glad you said that because I mean, I I don't know. I'm glad you said that because it's too much into it because it's, we'll stop it there, but I think it's, I think it's important to mention, I said this the other day too, the impact of not only the athletes, but sports have been having during this past year, during the comments and reactions, obviously, of this past week. It's huge. And hearing yeah. not only from coaches, but players and athletes and everybody, sports media, I think it's I think it's been consistently good to be hearing all the stuff that we've been, been seeing. So I just wanted to make sure we got that in there. 
I know we talked plenty about it, and I know oh, that absolutely. hopefully going Just forward it'll be better. Pray for a better day, and you know, always try to reflect on your actions and other people's actions, and make yourself better. And that's what people really need to start doing because true colors are really showing with everything that's been going on in the past four years, and it's tough to see. We really do need to find a way to unite everyone together. I love all people, you know. You love all people. That's what people need to do, and need to appreciate each other. We need to put smart people in office. We need to. We need to be better. For sure. Leave no. it at that. Yep. You've said it plenty of times, and I couldn't agree more. All right, let's get out. Enough of the sappy stuff. We covered it, but you co- you covered it perfectly at the end there. Let's get into it, man, because I did just want to say how proud I am for this moment, this day that we're actually on the podcast, and you're able to bring some joy, excitement for your Mets. Mm-hmm. It's funny because we have a joke. It's up. It's I got it on my Instagram page of what kind of the moves they made. And my comment in there is Mo Getz because mm-hmm. basically it's go Mets, but we make fun of the Mets a lot here. And you've had to put up with a lot of stuff with the Mets for uh, God knows how long. I mean, I'm not a big baseball years. guy. You know me, but I, I know enough to know it's been a long time since the Mets have been good. And I just want to, before you, say anything about this i'm gonna let you basically just take the floor and go at it and we'll have a discussion because i know there's people that listen to you and probably want to hear what you have to say about it but i will i do need to give you the credit that ever since i've been talking mets with you on this podcast baseball in general because you're unbelievably good at talking baseball and knowing a lot about baseball stats everything you're smats the stats kid You've been right on the money about what the Mets have done, not only at front office, but with the ownership position. You've been right on the money since everything that's happened since this dude's taken over. And to see, finally, after all this time, I I like saw the news after I finished up a pod. To see something so good happen for you and your franchise, man, and your fan base, I'm ecstatic for you. And I just want you to just destroy it right now. It's all you, baby. Well... I do have to do this first because I do think he's going to be fantastic in time. Unfortunately, it won't be with the New York Mets. But in order to acquire the guy we got. Oh, yeah. You're going to lose some money on that thing now. A little bit of a Shout out to loser. Ahmed Rosario, Andres Jimenez, uh, the two prospects we traded away to. Josh Wolf was a second-round pick in 2019, and Isaiah Green was a third-round compensation pick for Zach Wheeler we got this year. Um... Shout out to those guys. I hope they have great careers in Cleveland. The The top two I named, uh, Jimenez and Rosario, I've been watching for a long time. Uh, I really hope that they do well because they're, they're very good players. Uh, but in Ahmed Rosario's case, too, um, he got destroyed in New York. You look at his stats, he hits like 50 points better on the road. Uh He's just a way better player outside of New York, and I think the media was way too tough on him being a number one overall prospect in baseball and then coming up and not living up to expectations. Um, so I wish him the world in Cleveland. I think it's going to be a good place for him, a smaller market. Obviously what Cleveland's doing we'll get into because that's terrible in and of itself. But, yeah, you know, strange to I'm, me. Root, strange I'm rooting to for me. both of them, but in return we not only got – the best shortstop in the game in Francisco Lindor, but we got Carlos Carrasco for potentially three more years at around $40 million. That is an absolute steal for a number two to slide in right behind Jacob deGrom. 
until Noah Syndergaard gets healthy in June. So we have made some fantastic moves uh, this offseason, and this one is probably right up there with the day Steve Cohen bought the Mets and it was official, and when they clinched the NL pennant in 2015 to go to the World Series. This is one of my best, like, most exciting moments as a Mets fan ever. Yeah, man. In 26 years. To bring in a potential Hall of Famer if he stays healthy, uh... To play shortstop for you right now, yes, it's only a one-year deal, but they're looking to sign him to a huge extension. Probably yeah. somewhere. It's it's similar to the Mookie Betts situation. Yeah. It'll probably be up there around $300 million for 10 years. But I am so excited for this. We get a four-time All-Star, two-time Gold Glover, one-time Platinum Glove winner, which is awarded to the best fielder in the AL and the NL. Uh, obviously, the Gold Glove is... Uh, position specific yep, yep. but this one is to the best fielder he's won that uh he's a two-time silver slugger switch hitter that hits for pop can hit 280 to a 300 average which is great he steals bases but he is a fantastic glove and a leader uh this guy has been the face of the franchise for cleveland for a few years now yep. uh led him to one game within a world series which would have been their first title since 1948 yeah it I'm so excited. The Mets shortstops in the last three years, Jimenez, Rosario, a couple other guys mixed in. They've combined for 31 homers and a 702 OPS. Yep. And Lindor in the last three years alone has 78 homers and an 845 OPS. He ranks among shortstops since 2016, first in runs with 446, first in hits with 753, second in doubles with 168, Second in homers with 120. Third in walks, which is huge, which means he gets his on-base average up, with 255. And fourth in steals with 85. This guy also has never had a season with negative defensive runs saved at shortstop, which has been a huge problem for the Mets since we've had Jose Reyes. I don't know if Mets fans realize this, but we've only had one shortstop. He did it four times. Jose Reyes, to have a war, wins above replacement, above 4.0. Francisco Lindor is going into his age 27 season, and he's already done it four times. So we're getting a bona fide superstar who just has the personality for New York, too. I don't know if you've seen much about Francisco Lindor, mm. but he is perfect for New York, honestly. Let me ask you a few things about it and put you on the spot. Yeah. Oh, I got to get into the second half of the trade, too, because we got another huge piece. It's not just him. Yeah, I, I got that. Uh, big moves for the Mets. Mm -hmm. um, really happy for you. I'll let you get into the second half of the trade. I did want to just ask, you know, Steve Cohen's been out there saying, you know, if we're not winning or competing for a championship within five years, you know, it's technically a failure on me. I, I was with my dad yesterday. I thought it was funny. I need to get my dad on the podcast. That'd be absolutely hilarious. Uh, you know, he's telling me, he's like, the Yankees are trying to turn into the Mets. Not that it's a, uh, or the Mets are trying to turn into the Yankees. Not that it's a bad thing because he said the Red Sox had to do it and they won a World Series. This idea in baseball that you can just pay over the whatever cap to get a fine. I know we kind of talked, you told me last night, you lose picks. And not that I'm saying that this is a bad thing because I think this is what you talked about. This is what all Mets fans wanted for what? two decades and mm -hmm. now finally a guy's doing it like it's like i was saying in last night with the chat to rich i'm like dude 
it why haven't they done this like the, like they got close one time was that with like not paying a lot of guys like you know what i'm saying it's kind of mm-hmm. crazy like this would be the first time you've actually like went out and like got a real guy like realistically like a, a star guy in the in the league yeah they've done it a few times before during the Wilpon era it's it's one of those things uh They've gone out, they've gotten a Carlos Beltran, they beefed up with all the money that they were making off Bernie Madoff before that collapsed, and they should have sold the team then. Sure, but uh, it, Carlos Bantra- Beltran, is he, a, is he a Francisco Lindor? Yeah. In terms of star comparison at oh, the time? Oh, 100%. You For sure? You a switch hitting center fielder with Pop, he won four gold gloves with the Mets, he was a seven-time All-Star, I believe. Uh, that was just with the Mets. Uh, how did that deal? T- how did that deal turn out? It, it turned out great if you look at it. I mean, he was the le- one of the leaders of the team that made it within one win and making the World Series in 2006. Yeah, injuries kind of plagued that team. They were a little bit older and they had to start selling them off. They traded him for Zach Wheeler, uh, so it ended up working out. He got to continue his career. He Point being, with the Astros, haha. For me, is maybe that was a great move. Maybe it's coming across a little biased as a Mets fan. This move. That you made right here, you just said it's probably the best move ever. You got another piece to talk about that we didn't even discuss yet. Yeah, well, best move ever was Mike Piazza. Here's the thing, though. This has a chance to be. That's what I'm asking. You think this has the chance to be if it pays off Steve Cohen, all this stuff. Do you think these are the type of moves that give you the chance to now? Because I've been seeing what you're in the NL East. Like, you're going to be now the best. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, let me say this first. The Braves are no slouch. I am still terrified of the Braves. They have money to make moves still uh they could add they could bring back marcelo zuna and be great again the phillies have great players marlins just made the playoffs they're a young team nationals they won the ring two years ago don't have rendon but pretty much the same team very good division this certainly moves us up and gives us more of a fighting chance to win the division but i'm not going to come out here and say we've won the division after offseason moves like the Padres may have won the offseason like crown. Maybe the Mets are taking the lead now, but it's just the offseason. we got to see how these guys play. I think they're going to play really well if we stay healthy. Yep. But as far as it goes, too, going back to your dad and the salary cap, yep. um, or the luxury tax, I should say. There is no salary cap. Yep. Uh, the Mets are still 29. I believe last time I checked the numbers, they're still 29 point, um, basically $29 million away. Uh, from the luxury tax and when you hit the luxury tax there's certain tiers to it and you get uh harsher penalties the higher you go above the luxury tax so if you go maybe 10 to 15 million dollars over the luxury tax it's one bracket and then you know it keeps going up but as far as like the basic one which is just going over the 210 it's a 17 and a half percent tax on the money that went over um just the money that went over so if you paid uh let's say 220 million you'd be taxed on the 10 million you went over uh and then it keeps getting up or going up and getting harsher if you stay above the luxury tax that's kind of what happened to the uh the red Sox. Mm-hmm. they weren't winning there i mean they had won the ring in 20 was that 2018 yeah sold mookie bets uh beginning of 2020 they just spent too much money to try to be competitive and you have younger guys coming up that are going to have to get paid stuff like that a good example of longevity right now in today's baseball is the Los Angeles Dodgers. They have a ridiculous amount of money with their front ownership. Um, you know, a bunch of millionaires, billionaires. Yep. And they've been able to spend the big money. You look at the Mookie Betts contract. You look at uh, Clayton Kershaw getting paid. Um, 
they've gone out, they got Manny Machado for like the end of his year. He probably wasn't making too much in reality, but you know, they're paying a bunch of guys. They're going to have to pay Bellinger soon. They're still able to use their international scouting and draft picks that they have and stuff. They have great scouts and they're able to find good talent and develop good talent. So that's what Steve Cohen wants. He said he doesn't want to just come out and win this year. Obviously he does, but like, you know, he doesn't just want to make a splash for like a one year thing or maybe a short thing. He wants to make this sustainable. So that's what I'm really excited about. Yeah. This move that we made to get Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco, who I'm about to get into now, yep. is a huge move for the team. Um, it, sh- it shows a win-now mentality. And the fan the base, dude, because yeah. I've just been hearing like a lot of sports media. I just listened a little yesterday, sports radio, mm-hmm. uh, hearing it just through the airwaves that I listen to all the, mm-hmm. you know, the stuff I do. You know, a lot of the people that they've been having on from New York that are, you know, covering the Mets all the time are just ecstatic, not only for the fan base, but just for the organization in general. And I just think that just been seeing all the Mets fans that I know just, Mm -hmm. you know, finally like having something to cheer about. Like that's, I don't know, that's just really what it's about for me, like in sports. Like even if you're not good, like just have, yeah, like just have something to cheer about. Like, Mm -hmm. well, the thing is too. Going back to the Wilpon era, after they got busted in the Madoff scheme and were losing money and had the team, you knew they weren't going to be in on any big free agents or any trades. The Yoinas Sp- Cespedes trade was huge in uh, the summer of 2015, but that's because we were in the playoff push and we made a few deals, but we never really make huge deals like that. Yeah. And you go back, I mean, I guess we did if you look at the, who am I kidding actually, we made a huge deal, a huge mistake in trading for Robinson Cano and Edwin Diaz. Uh, we gave up less capital for better players in the um, the deal that just happened this past uh, yesterday. Day before. Um, <laughs> past yesterday, yeah, we're good. Yeah, no, uh, we gave up less in that than we did to get Robinson Cano and his albatross of a contract in Edwin Diaz. Now, Edwin Diaz has turned it around the past year, but we gave up a... St- Top prospect in Jared Kelenic. This kid looks like he's going to be a beast, and a couple other prospects. Guy who's in their starting rotation right now. Yeah, Justin talk Dunn. about the talk about so, the guy you got. Yeah, that's true. Let me get off that because that's just living in the past and being all upset. Uh, we got Cookie <laughs> Carrasco, Carlos Carrasco from Cleveland. He's been there for a long, long time. You're going to love this guy's story. He had leukemia. He battled. He was out for a year, beat it, came back, nice. and then pitched to an ERA below a three last year. He's got a career 3.77 ERA and a career 3.42 FIP. FIP is fielding independent pitching. Basically, it factors in how good you are at striking people out, not giving up home runs, not giving up walks. Yep. So he's been a very reliable guy. He has uh, 1,305 career strikeouts. Uh, translates out to a 9.5 Ks per nine, which is nasty. Um, he's got three years and around $40 million left on his deal. I believe it's actually a two-year deal with a team option at the end yep. for around $14 million. But it's such a steal if he's still producing at that age. I mean, I think he's around 34, 35 years old. He's a little bit older, but he's still not making, you know, he's making peanuts compared to what some of these contracts are. So to bring a guy in like that, a veteran leadership, a guy who's battled through a lot and, um, you know, he's, he's beat cancer, he's won at the highest level, he's pitched well in the playoffs. It's a huge move alongside Francisco Lindor. And if you can't tell people, I'm a little bit excited. Just a little bit. This is going to be fun. I think there's still a couple more moves we might make. 
like I said, we're uh, 29 million away from the salary cap or luxury tax. There's no salary cap again. Uh, we could sign George Springer. We could go out and maybe go a little bit more of a defensive approach because we have a very good offense and sign a guy like Jackie Bradley Jr. Maybe a two-year deal worth around $20 million is what I've been seeing, maybe a little bit less. Uh, have him play fantastic defense in center. Uh, save a little bit extra money. Go out, get a stud lefty like Brad Hand for the bullpen. Maybe an extra rotation piece for insurance. And we're going to be in a very good spot. I'm... I'm so happy. I'm happy. It's, it's awesome. I'm happy for you too, man. Uh, I'm happy we got to cover some of the did Mets you touch and what it they all? did. I just want to say uh, about the Padres and what they've done. I know I mentioned it briefly, but no. Uh, they, yeah, go ahead, clean yeah, that up. This is kind of what the Mets want to do too, except with they have a little bit more money. Padres are spending money now, but if you look at the Padres, yeah, they had to do like kind of a rebuild. They were in a worse spot than the Mets were. But they developed a bunch of great young talent, and they traded pieces that they knew they could trade for young talent and acquired a bunch. Yep. So they've gotten to this point where that you get a Fran, uh, Fernando Tatis Jr., you're able to sign a, guys like Eric Hosmer and Manny Machado to man the corners. You're at a point where you have these guys and all this young capital you can trade and get other pieces. A guy like Blake Snell, you Darvish for the rotation. Yep, saw that. That's huge to sign a guy who looks pretty good from the KBO, High Sung Kim. Yep. Uh, huge. I mean, you're getting him four years, $28 million. You're paying $7 million a year for a guy. There hasn't been too much success out of guys to come from the KBO. Jung Ho Kong is one of the best, but unfortunately he got a you know a DUI back uh, at home in an offseason. He you know, hasn't played much since, got injured. Um, but we'll see what happens with this guy and what they've done. And they still, they're able to hold on to their best prospects, just like the Mets did in this Francisco Lindor, Carlos Carrasco trade. Yeah. They've held on to their best prospects. And that's what builds sustainable winning. And. You got any more baseball to cover? Um, let me see. I believe I did find, after we had talked, just one great quote from Tommy Lasorda. Yep. And it applies to baseball, it applies to all sports, and it really applies to life. And I think you'll like this one, Seg. Let's hear it. There are three kinds of people in this world. People who make it happen, people who watch what happens, and people wonder and people who wonder what happened. Love it. It is a good one, so yeah, rest in peace. Ninety three, what a life. After because celebrating Mike Piazza uh, is a Hall of Famer. He was able to give him the chance. Yeah, for sure. After celebrating my grandma's life yesterday, it does make you appreciate people that live that long a life. Man. Um, I believe my grandma lived to 93, too. Yeah, it's for sure. Shout it out. Uh, hit up Rich to see if he's going to come through at all for any of the discussion in NBA. But I did, if you don't have any more baseball to discuss, definitely wanted to get your game picks and discuss a little of the NFL because we do have a souped-up wild-card weekend. I'm calling it souped-up. They're calling it super wild-card weekend. You know how it is. I make up my own stuff here. It's what we do. Um, souped-up. Let's get into the first game, then. It's Bills, Colts, 105, about an hour and 10 minutes from now. Souped up for that. I like the Bills a lot. I think Josh Allen's yep. got a lot to prove. Last year he finished the season with 15 touchdowns and two interceptions. We saw what he did in the playoffs, which was blow a 16-point lead. Obviously this is a different team. Obviously they got a different vibe, and obviously we'll be able to see if they're able to pay that off in a playoff game. I think there's a lot riding on this for Bills fans. Haven't been to the playoffs since 1995. Hadn't won the division since 1995. You know, 
this would be huge for them. They're going to allow 6,750-something fans there. It's not going to be a lot, but it's going to be some. It's important to mention that I don't think home field advantage will really be a factor in this playoffs due to the current situation. But are you buying the Bills or are you taking the Colts? Which, by the way, I need to mention an interesting stat on the Colts. Everyone, I think, sleeps on the Colts. They've been a one-point underdog in so all 16 games, all 16 NFL games, they were less than a one-point underdog, which I'm not really into the whole gambling thing. And I like, I'm like, is that even real? And I'm like, do we need to double and triple check that? Well, I checked it out. You can at me if that is not the case. But according to my sources, that is the case, which is just a wild stat. Who do you got in this game, Chu? Uh, if there's one group of people that could make Six and a half thousand fans sound like forty thousand, fifty thousand. I f- I believe it's those psychopaths from Buffalo, uh, the table breakers. Uh, I'm gonna go Bills on this one. Like you said, they have a lot to prove. That Colts team is very good. They have a great defense. They helped me out a lot in fantasy this year, even though I didn't do much. Uh, Philip Rivers, he's getting close to his last hurrah. So you know the team's gonna be hyped up to play. It always seems to work that way when you got older guys playing. Playing for something, yeah, it could be his like last game. Been, you know, great for his career, but he's never won. Yeah, so it's going to be a battle, but I, it's so hard to pick against the Bills in this one, and I got, I got the Bills over the Colts, thirty-one to twenty right now. Love it. I had some scores in my. Uh, thing. Yeah, I, I got to go. Pick scores for the all. Uh, I got to go. I got to go and uh, check mine out, and I'm, I'm gonna listen to ours. So I got yours too, and we'll go through and be able to hash them out for sure. The next game is an interesting game in today's slate, which is the Seahawks and the Rams. Um, is golf playing? I think that's the biggest question mark, obviously, for the Rams. I did have a rankings up, and I had a few people respond to my tweet, which I love. Somebody was mad I had the Rams at uh, six. I think it's very valid to have the Rams at six. If they upset the Seahawks today, which I think they'll do, with the number one scoring defense and the number one defense in the NFL, I think that's what's going to matter in this game. I know you're a big Russell Wilson guy. Since, I think Duke said at week 10, basically his last nine games, he's fallen off the map, dude. I'd be curious to see if he even gets an MVP vote. And I know that's like a bold take and a wild take, but like he's never gotten one. And we've discussed that in this on this pod. He has definitely fallen off the map. Can DK Metcalf perform up against Jalen Ramsey enough? Can the running game and Russell Wilson do enough to win this game up against that defense? I'm just not so sure. And even if Jared Goff doesn't play, I'm not saying John Walford's great. I'm not saying John Walford's going to be a reason they win the game. But if he doesn't turn the ball over, exactly the same formula Sean McVay's looking from Jared Goff, don't turn the ball over, I think the Rams will win this game. Go ahead. I think this is going to be one of the better games of this weekend, honestly, the more we're talking about it and thinking about it. I have the Seahawks over the Rams with a weird score of 18-10. to 10. Um, The Seahawks are a team that seems to get weird scores. So that's why I have 18 to 10. But the thing I'm saying, it, it's funny because Russell Wilson has fallen off the map in a sense, you know. I haven't forgot about that short little guy who runs around and makes things happen. I love that little guy. Uh, I think he's going to do good things today. Um, great ones seem to find a way to win games. Uh this is a division matchup. They played each other so much throughout their careers. Uh, and historically, it's going to be a good matchup. But I'm going to pick the Seahawks in this one. Uh, we'll have to Seahawks see, we'll, and we'll a nail-biter. We'll see how Goff's hand is, honestly. Uh, who knows? 
They have turned it around recently, though, the Rams. I will give them that. But I can't bet against that short little guy. He's won me so much money in the past. And he's also just a great player, great leader. And that Seahawks team always seems to be a very pesky team in the playoffs. And it's crazy to say also yep. at the end, I just want to no, one I think thing. It, and yep. A guy ends up throwing for 40 touchdown passes in a season, and he fell off the map in the MVP voting. Yep, I think it second. just goes to yeah. show where the league is. It's incredible. So many great players. Crazy. Mm -hmm. uh, then you got the nightcap. Oh, this will be fun. You got Tom Brady, which, by the way, I need to give this man a little bit of a shout-out. He's played 21 seasons in the NFL, and this will be his first postseason game going in as a wild card. So I think that's very intriguing for not only Tom Brady lovers, but Tom Brady haters. And here's the thing. I'm not a Tom Brady hater, but I do have some hate for this man. And I will say this to you right now for all anybody that listens and for you to hear as well. If this man makes it, you said NFC championship game, maybe, maybe I'd have a little more respect if he takes out Rodgers because I don't think he's got any shot of beating Green Bay and Rodgers and Lambeau. But what I will say is if he makes a Super Bowl this year, and even if he loses, if he just makes it to the Super Bowl, I will never say another bad thing about this man. I promise. But if he doesn't, if he gets knocked, not only tonight, which I think is a possibility, even with all this quarterback controversy for the football team, you guys will have to at least give me a little bit of credit here. Because I think if they lose this game, or any game they lose in the playoffs... They're going to lose it because of Brady. What do you got in this game? Very interesting game. Well, I got the Washington football team going down in this one. We're repping Tampa Bay here. I don't know what's happened to me. I'm a huge Broncos guy, but I've become just a Tom Brady lover, honestly. I think him leaving uh, is a great story, especially them making the playoffs. Uh, it all depends on that front four and that front seven to see if they can get a good rush on him because he's shown this season if you get a good rush on him he doesn't play well but when you don't he's Tom Brady so it all depends on like Chase Young saying I want Tom Brady that's going to be a fun matchup seeing if he can get to him yep it all depends on that Washington has its own troubles I mean they what are they seven and nine yeah uh, they might not have Alex Smith playing tonight who knows what's going to happen so it's going to be an interesting game uh as far as legacy and stuff like that goes, yeah, I heard this on um, ESPN yesterday, and they were talking about it. I forget who it was. Maybe it was Stephen A. It's like, yeah, people are going to talk about this for a little bit, but it's not going to ruin his legacy and stuff like that. You think about it, like, yeah, losing to a 7-9 and nine team is tough, but this dude still won six championships. He threw 40 touchdowns at age 43 on a new team, balling out. He's probably going to play next year anyways, too, but... It's going to be talked about for a little bit, but it's still Tom Brady. And you go back and you look at other uh, Hall of Fame quarterbacks who switch teams, besides Peyton Manning, who was a shell of himself in the last year when they won. Uh, no one else has really been good when you go to other teams. You look at Namath and Unitas going to the uh, Los Angeles and San Diego, respectively. They both stunk it up in their last few years. You look at the only one who really did anything was Joe Montana. He made a, a AFC championship game with the Chiefs after uh, his tenure with the 49ers. So, you know, no, I it, think it's one of those things, but I, I'm rooting for him. I think it's a great story. Also, the whole drama <sighs> thing between Bill Belichick and the Patriots and him. Yeah, for sure. And you bring up a good point. I'm not saying, like, oh, his legacy is absolutely crushed. I know you're not. I just I'm not saying, like, oh, all right, this dude, 
you know, all that stuff that you said and him going to nine Super Bowls and winning 17 straight or 11 straight AFCs, whatever it was, making the playoffs 17 straight. Yeah, ridiculous accolades for sure. But my one point is just what I saw last year and what you could see this year and what you then could see next year. Not that he hasn't played great in three games up against the worst defenses in the NFL. One of those games in which they were on a third-string coach because of COVID. This man, if you go and look at some of his stuff this year, has incredible accolades once again. Milestones, all the stuff at the age of 43. Only one person could really do, right? This guy. The problem I have with it is I saw a quote on it and it's perfect. What else is this about besides Super Bowl or bust? And realistically... For the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tom that's Brady, is, yeah. that's what it is. That's what it is. 100%. And for guys like me that aren't a big of Tom Brady fans, that if he doesn't make the Super Bowl or gets knocked out, that's what we have. And how it looks based on how he plays and what he's done, not only in night games, but big-time primetime games this that, year. That was something I wanted to discuss is with you. That's, not great. It's a night game, big-time. Uh... Yeah. It'll be interesting to see one. Who are your um? What are some of your X factors for tonight's game? Because this is the one I want to talk about the most. Honestly, this game. This is the one I feel like that's got the most riding on it. Really, with Tom Brady and the Bucks. Well, to me, a big deal is if Mike Evans is playing. That's mm-hmm. just a weapon that I think they would want, and obviously, just want to have. Obviously, I think the defense for the Bucks is. Decent up front, and obviously, depending on if you're putting in there a guy that's barely played in the NFL or Alex Smith, and we all know the story, it's scary as hell. Every time he drops back, I'm wheezy as shit. You know, they're gonna want to obviously put a rush in the front. JPP, they got a they got a good front four, but I think the secondary is vulnerable. I think the run game for Washington and JD McKissick, what he does catching the ball out of the backfield, is potentially with just Ron Rivera's formula, just with. The whole thing, the whole, oh, 7-9 ain't going to do shit. Well, if you go and look at the two teams that have made the playoffs in NFL history with a losing record, they've gone on to win their first playoff game. I know it doesn't set up. Yeah, I had the stat, but I don't know it off the top. Seahawks is one of them, and then there's another. But quick run, yeah. My point is, uh, you know I'm probably picking Washington because I want Brady to get screwed. I still think Brady and the Bucks could probably win this game. I think they lose this game though because of that Washington defense, and I know yeah, the yeah, I know yeah, the secondary is going to be somewhat no, it's, exposed it's potentially and board. put now on a silver platter because of Chase Young's comments, which I did want to say like, all right, man, like I trust Chase Young's going to be able to back up like those comments, but like is the rest of his defense? He put a lot on his teammates, and I think there's a lot to get into into that factor. My point is, Chase Young, that front four. And those linebackers are really good. Yeah, they are. Washington they are football really team defense, Ron good. Rivera, and like really all good. this story they with Alex really Smith. Good. Like, I hope he can play a little bit. Like, the whole story is incredible. And I know Tom Brady is great, but he's not looked great when he's gotten sacked yeah, or hit this year. Yeah. I've been listening to my girl Mina Kimes. The past month, I don't even think Brady's been touched. His sack percentage rate in the yeah, NFL is the so lowest ever you've ever seen. Sure. He is going to get pressured, if not sacked tonight. And I think that could impact the game just in his performance, just in how the outcome of the game is. Maybe a forced fumble, a pick, whatever it is. The only way Washington wins is defense. And then just being able to do enough on offense. 
but I think it is possible. Go ahead. I agree with you. It's definitely possible. Um, a few things. I think Chase Young's comments are a little bit like uh, over-exaggerated right now. It was just after a huge win to make the playoffs. You're hyped. You're running back into the locker room. I mean, I, I love believe him. he even went back on his words and like, you know, don't go back on him at this point because you already said him, but I get it. It's also like a heat of the moment. It's being broken down way too much. Yeah. It's not like he came to a presser and said, like, I want Tom Brady and stuff. Like, you've, you've been in huge sports games before. You're going to say whatever comes to your mind right at the top because you're so hyped. For sure. Um, but also, I, going into X-Factors, because that was my first uh, thing, I think a few huge X-Factors, you've already named some. It's going to be Washington's front seven. Uh, Mike Evans is a big one. I think uh, NBC, also known as Mr. Big Chest, uh, Tony Toe Taps. <laughs> Antonio, Antonio Brown, baby. He absolutely danced last week and that was because mike evans went down but i think he's obviously a huge focal point to that offense when you look at him and he makes big plays like that i believe he's had a touchdown or more in the last three weeks um he's someone you gotta keep an eye on he can make a big play at any point you got gronk baby oh my god you got gronk that's the maple syrup right there yo i um, literally hate this right oh no, my god no but you gotta think about it. if if you can get. The I was listening to that interview are... the other day. It's so like funny. it's just like literally hilarious. Like so funny, dude. It is goes, hilarious because so it's like it's it. Camille's boyfriend. It's Grog. It's like yep. all this stuff and like so much for like yep. this small soupy town for us. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, yo, can can they just not win? I know. Right? Like, no, I want them to win. Fuck that. I want them to make it to the Super Bowl. They're uh, not. They're also, what, another X factor I think is going to be Tampa Bay's rushing offense because if Ronald uh, Jones can get into it, I almost said Ronald Ocean for fucking AB, but um, <laughs> if if they can actually be productive, him and Fournette, um, good blocks in the pass game with the checkdowns and also running the ball well, picking up a, a few yards of pop, doing well, that will change things a lot for the Tampa Bay offense, and we'll have to see how it goes. I think. Uh, Washington, it's it's going to have to be kind of a miracle, I think, for them to win. Even though they're the home team, they got a great front seven, but I don't, I just don't see them pulling it out here. I agree. It's going to be a tough one for them to pull out, but if they do, it'll be epic for me. Let's get into the Sunday games. First game is Titans-Ravens. I think the best game of the day. Uh, you got the two best rushing offenses in, going at it. I had the stat the other day. It's like the first time since a long time, and it's going to be... Oh, it's going to be hype. It's a rematch. One sec, one sec. I forgot to say my score. Go really ahead. For Bucks over Washington. Uh, 24-21. Perfect. It's going to be close, though. I had 20-17, I believe. The, Great point. Right. the Ravens, I think, are the hottest team in the league right now. It's, it's interesting to me because it's a rematch of last year, and to me... Not that I'm saying uh, not that I'm saying the Titans aren't good. Like the Titans are great. Derrick Henry is phenomenal. AJ Brown is unreal. They got a lot of great pieces, and the defense is not anything to be reckoned with. I think the Titans' defense is why they'll lose this game. Like they've been exposed a ton. I think Lamar Jackson is hot. I think they're the hottest team going in as this. Nobody really has them winning type of team. Like what we saw the Titans do last year, which by the way was make a big run. And I know they're going up against each other, so it's a rematch of last year. And I think that provides a little bit of intrigue and revenge factor as well for a guy in Lamar Jackson who's 0-2 in the playoffs, and he knows it. And I know it's, oh, if he goes 0-3, it's not really going to matter because Peyton Manning and some of these other guys that started out win 0-3, like he'll make the playoffs plenty of times. He's putting up plenty of ridiculous records as a quarterback. 
I think the Ravens will convincingly do it, though, because of Lamar Jackson. I think he's going to have a massive game. Titans might be playing from behind in this one, and that'll be an interesting one as well. I think you bring up a really good point there. If the Titans are playing from behind, it's going to be very tough. They have a stud receiver, two really good receivers right now. A.J. Brown and Corey Davis has kind of turned his career around, had a fantastic season compared to what he's done in the past. He's had a big playoff game. But A.J. Brown, he just makes plays, man. That guy just absolutely makes plays. If they can get out ahead and they can let Derrick Henry do what he does and tire down that defense... Yeah, I, I do have the Titans winning 28-24. I think it's going to be another close game. Yep. It's going to be a very fun game to watch while we're uh, bowling tomorrow. Yep. Nailing the pins. Um, but <laughs> Nailing the pins. That's right, man. I'm fucking throwing dots out there, okay? I'm going full Mookie bets on these fools. Oh, my um, God. <laughs> I think it's going to be a good game, though. Uh, Lamar Jackson... I don't think it's fair to put this on him. The team has failed the last two times they've made the playoffs. He didn't have great games, but also he's a huge X factor. You know it's going to be on he's him. He's got though. a chip on his shoulder. You know it's so going to be on him. Gonna come. But yeah, here's oh, the thing: I, I think that's a good thing right now because I think he's going to show out, and I think that is going to be the best game of that day. I think it might be the best game potentially of the entire slate with what we saw last year and what kind of goes into this game in terms of everything about it. The other two games, we'll touch on them to get your picks, but I think they're not going to be as good as that first game. Go ahead. The Cleveland Steelers game is at night. We'll touch on that after this. The Saints-Bears one is an interesting game for me. After now the news of Trey Hendrickson, which, by the way, I believe he's by far a Pro Bowl snub. Like, the dude had, I think, 12 and a half, 13 sacks or whatever it was. He's top two or three, tied for second or third in the league and was the only one of those guys that weren't selected at the Pro Bowl. He's not playing in this game. Um, Kamara, I believe, is still going to play. He's put out a tweet that he is, and Michael Thomas is potentially supposed to be back. You know, A lot riding on this for Drew Brees, who potentially, and there's a lot of reports out, it could be his last season. The Bears are just that team that no one even thought would be there. No one even thought would win a playoff game. No one even thought could beat such a good Saints roster. So it does intrigue me if now the Saints defense is not looking as good. The Bears defense is looking good and Drew Brees is not. But I do think the Saints are going to win this game pretty handily. They're a double-digit favorite, and I wouldn't be surprised if they covered it would be the first time in a long time that a double-digit underdog took a W in a playoff game. So it'll be interesting to see if the Bears can pull it off or even make this game competitive. But I'm not so sure that's going to happen. Be interesting to see if the Bears and Mitch Trubisky can do anything with a lot riding on his, obviously, contract negotiations, potentially them not picking up his option. Obviously, Matt Nagy and what they got going on going forward. And then just them having a six-game losing streak and making the playoffs, which is just crazy to me after benching Mitch Trubisky. So there's a lot on this for Bears and Bears fans as well. Um, It's a game that I think is not as interesting, but is interesting in that regard because I said all that stuff. So, Chew, now you're back. Who you got in this game? What, Saints versus Bears? Yep. They're actually playing this? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, I have the Saints over the Bears 41-6. to Uh, I think Mitch is going to go out there and he's going to try. I think all those guys are going to try really hard. Um, I'm rooting for them to do better than what my score 
is predicted as. <laughs> and there's a good chance that can happen. You don't see many 41-6 to six games. But um, if you pick the Bears in this one, I think you're a dunce. <laughs> That's all I can say. I'm, what, what do you want me to say? You got Alvin Kamara's coming back. You got Drew Brees. Yeah, he's been banged up. Michael Thomas has been banged up. They're coming back. They've had a little bit of time to rest. Uh, they have a great defense. I know you said, is his name Trey Hendrickson is out? Yeah. Okay, that's a huge guy you're missing with 13 and a half sacks. Yep. Uh, but Pro Bowl snub. Pro Bowl snub, yeah, but, you know, also Noah Font was too. Evan Ingram made the Pro Bowl somehow. Um, anything can happen, but in my world, anything can happen means 41 to 6 Saints over Bears. Word. Then there's this, Chew. And before we get into this pick, I need to just get your opinion on this. Hopefully Rich stops by too so he can say what's up and we can chat NBA before we get out of here. Why is the NFL not letting Kyle Stefanski or is it Kevin Stefanski? Do I always call him Kyle and his name's Kevin? Yeah, you call him Kyle. It's Kevin. I really hate that I call him Kyle. Kevin Stefanski not able to coach from what? Home because everyone's not working from home? From what? Uh, isolated box at the place and Rich is saying, oh, it's a bad look for the NFL. What a- is it not a bad look for the NFL to just be pushing forward and absolutely screwing the Browns? I think the Browns have no shot in this game because of him not being there. You also got a guy, and I forgot his name, and I had it, and I forgot it again. I wanted to shout it out because he's the longest tenure Brown, but he's not able to play in this game because of COVID. And you just hear like some of these stories that are going on with the Browns, not able to practice for like a week and a half. Now they just got practice 48 hours before their playoff game. It's like... I don't know, man. It's I don't think Baker is going to be able to do enough in this game. The Steelers just barely beat them playing all their backups last week. They just had him last week, which is two times in seven days. I don't see Mike Tomlin without Kevin Stefanski there losing this game. I think it could be closer. Somebody also commented on my rankings yesterday saying how I had the Steelers mad low. Bro, if Kevin Stefanski was able to coach this game from a box, I think I'd pick the Browns. Like, I think the Browns could win this game because I think the Steelers are just not that great. But I think they're going to win because of the situation the Browns have been put in. Their first playoff appearance since January, like, what, 2003, I think it is? 18 years. And this is what they have to go through? Like, if I'm a Browns fan, I'm fucking livid. Because if we lose this game, not only am I going to be upset... But now, as a sports fan, all I'm going to have to listen to from Browns fans is, yo, we got fucked because of COVID. And in my opinion, that's a worse look for the NFL than him being there in the box coaching with COVID. He ain't going to give it to nobody. Kind of a joke. Go ahead. I don't know why I moved this back. (laughs) I was thinking that. Um, It's kind of funny because you mentioned that, and we had discussed that a few weeks ago when the Broncos weren't allowed to play with a quarterback, and you're like, how would you feel if you make the playoffs? And you actually mentioned the Browns. I believe we'll have to go back and check the tape. But, like, a team like the Browns, you make the playoffs first time in forever, and, like, your coach or, like, your quarterback is out to COVID and you have to play with, like, a wide receiver. Yeah. It's different but similar. It's kind of – um, it's not funny, but it is kind of funny in the sense that it got brought up again in, the fu- uh, in real life in the future with this situation. It's tough. I think Rich hit the nail on the head. Uh, it would be nice to see him coaching in a press box from, like, a hazmat suit. I believe um, Dominique Foxworth or someone on um, ESPN had said. <laughs> um, but, uh, 
Um, like, yeah, but no, dude. It would, be not, it would be great if you could coach from home, but there's the uh, the argument that, like, oh, other teams could hack it, stuff like that, which I think is kind of bullshit, or, like, you don't know what he's doing if he's watching the other teams play, have someone watch him through the window, stuff like that, but it's tough. I think the deciding factor in this is the fact that they haven't done this for any other team so far, and I know it's playoffs, it's a different game, it's, you know, lose and you're out, but... I think they're just sticking with what they decided at the beginning of the year. And even Katie Nolan said it. I think she said it best uh, yesterday when I was watching her. She was saying how in a in a season that is so unfair and all this, and there were so many people who said, like, we probably shouldn't even have the season with COVID and stuff. It's great that we did and we have entertainment to watch and stuff. But it was known from the jump that there were going to be things that were unfair compared to a normal season. So it kind of just falls in that line. It sucks. Here's this, bro. I'd argue Mina Kimes. I'd argue Mina Kimes said it better, which is not even that, but it's, hey, man, why in the world should they have to do what they're doing right now when you see rules and unprecedented things changing every single day? Every single day, rules, protocols, unprecedented, precedent stuff. Yeah, you know all the words. Bro, it's happening every day. And to NFL not to change their rule, like, bro, I was telling Rich last night, put an NFL official at the dude's place then if you can't let him, you know, not be seen. Or put, can't, whatever, whatever you got to do. Like, to me, it's just like an unfair advantage and I get it in an unfair world. But, bro, you're screwing the Browns so much where if they lose this game, it's just ammunition for the whole thing to be like, damn. Like, now what happens, I'm saying to Rich, what happens if a couple weeks from now, this happens to the Chiefs or something like that? They're not going to move the game or they're not going to allow Andy Reid to coach from a box or home? Like, that, they're just going to do that to the Chiefs too or who, the Super Bowl team or the whoever? Like, I think that's a good argument because imagine that actually happens, right? And it, it's the Super Bowl or it's the AFC, NFC championship. Are you going to let, like, these teams that bring in so much money and all that? I mean, I know the Browns is a good story and it's no one's at the games this year or limited people, but do you think they're actually going to do that to a guy like Andy Reid? That's what I'm saying, you dude. You think so? Like, I, I, that actually, that's something where I feel like, Would oh, they do that to Bill Belichick if he was in the playoffs? They already moved a game for him this year because of the uh, situation with COVID. In which Bill was like, bro, what the hell is going on? You don't think they moved that game because of Bill, like, talking to the league office? Like, you think they just did that? Like, because, oh. Like, I don't know, dude. I think it does seem to be so shitty if I'm a Cleveland Browns fan where it's just like, damn. Rich is here. He's saying what's up. He says he's got another minute. Richie. What's good, Rich? What's up, boys? Good to go. How we doing? Good, good. Hello, this is Smats. Oh, I got Smats. Cheerio, Smats. How those Mets making you feel? Uh... I'm torqued. Has there already been like 45 minutes of Mets talk on here? Yeah, 22 or so. Okay. Yeah, we did about 20 or so of that. We did about 20 or so of game picks for Chu, which we already did with you. So hopefully you're pumped for souped-up wildcard weekend. We'll be watching football here shortly. Did you guys do full, uh, playoff predictions? Uh, no, we didn't. You got some? Let's do them right now. Perfect. Love it. All right. What did you say, bold? No, uh, full playoff uh, predictions. Like, who's going to win and everything? Every single game? Uh, I don't have every game. I have who I uh, have playing each other in the NFC and AFC Championship and the Super Bowl. Okay. All right, so I think it's going to be a fun playoff this year. I think the Chiefs are going to narrowly beat the Bills in the AFC Championship game. 
And it's going to be a real, this playoff run, I think it's going to be a coming out party for Josh Allen. He's going to come up short, but it's going to be great. And then as far as the NFC Championship goes, uh, you missed the first half, but I've been riding the Bucks hard. I have the Bucks beating yep. that short little guy from Seattle, actually, in the NFC Championship. It's going to be a great battle, but the Bucks are going to beat that short guy. But in the end of the day, uh, the new they, they play next. They would play next round. Not Is that how it goes? I was reading projections, and it, it had that matched up potentially in the NFC. No, nah, no. Nah. If if the Bucks win this week, they're playing. They playing they're the playing Packers. Packers. Yeah. They're. Uh, really? Okay, I'm looking at a bracket right now that said Washington Bucks plays the winner of Seahawks Rams. But okay. Okay, well, it's either going to be Bucks over Seahawks or Bucks over Packers. Nah, the way it works is the Packers, who have a bye right now, play they the lowest, they yeah. play the lowest seed that wins. That's yeah, true. Actually, now that I'm looking at this, yeah, they have the Packers playing the winner of the Saints-Bears. That's the one does not play the two in the next round. So, yeah, my bad. I'm looking at some stupid bracket. That's okay. Not true. Okay, cool. I, I got worried that I had all my shit fucked up. So. No, no, no. <laughs> um, yeah, so I have the Bucks over the Seahawks in another close game. I... I've been riding Tom Brady hard. If you couldn't tell, I'm wearing my Tampa Bay shirt. Um, I think that he's going to make the Super Bowl and add to his legacy. But at the end of the day, the new superstar of the league, Patrick Mahomes, is going to end up winning a back-to-back Super Bowl. First time we've seen it in a long time. No shot. And I hate to say that as a Denver fan. I think the Bills make the Super Bowl. I think the Bills... I think the Chiefs aren't going to be affected by them being... Shut down for three weeks, 21 days. Andy Reid, 18-3 and three off a bye in the first game. But I th- do think it might come into effect what we've seen Pat Mahomes do over the past month. What we've seen from the Chiefs over the past month later in the in the rounds. So, I do have the Chiefs getting beat. I got the Bills in the Super Bowl. I have the Bills losing the Super Bowl, though, to Green Bay Packers. And I will say... I think it'll be great for Rodgers' legacy, number one. Number two, I like Rodgers. I've been watching a lot on the Pat McAfee show, which, by the way, it's like fourth on podcast. You guys should check that out. It's hilarious. I watch it. Uh, Rodgers, to me, not only would he be the first MVP if he wins MVP, which I think he will, to win the Super Bowl or even make the Super Bowl, I believe is the stat, since Kurt Warner in 99. It's definitely win the Super Bowl. It's win the Super Bowl. It's not make. So I think he's going to break that. I think Rodgers is on another level this year just in terms of like where he's at, and I think a Super Bowl for him would cap off what is definitely a Hall of Fame career, obviously. So, I don't know. I'm rooting for I'm rooting for Rodgers. Nice I've been him. a Rodgers hater. I, I want to see him win more than I want to see Brady win. I just want to get this in. Honestly, this is the first time in the playoffs in a long time where I'm just really excited to see anyone who wins, honestly. There's so many good teams this year, so many great stories. I think, obviously, I've touched on the Bucks. It would be great to see Tom win. To see Aaron win a second ring would be fantastic because he's one of the most... He, I feel like he's almost he's not underappreciated, but sometimes it feels like he is for sure. with how great he's been for how long it's been. Yeah. And uh, you look at guys like Drew Brees, it's going to be his last year. It'd be cool to see him win. Mahomes, as much as I hate to say it, he's awesome to watch. He's yeah. fun. You got that short little guy in Seattle where it rains a lot. He usually makes a couple good plays. I would love to see him get a second ring. Um, there's just so many different good storylines this year. So it's exciting to see whatever happens. I'm really excited, more than any other playoff, really, to see whoever wins. Rich, what do you got? 
You on mute? Yeah, my fault I was. Um, so, AFC's easy. I mean, I agree with you guys. I, or, I agree with you on the two teams, Chiefs and Bills. I think that's what most people are saying. I'm not going to sleep on the Titans. I think they could be there if they could mm-hmm. beat the Ravens today. But I'm going to go with the Chiefs and the Bills. I'd go with the Chiefs to actually make it to the Super Bowl just because – I'm honestly a little worried about the Bills today against the Colts. Just like Diggs is a little, little bit run down. Like they're, he's, they're saying he's going to play, but that he's actually kind of banged up. They're saying uh, Beasley's really banged up, but he's going to try and play. So we'll see. Maybe Josh Allen doesn't look as good as normal if those are his, you know, one and two guy the last few weeks. I know John Brown's back. I still like the Bills' chances to get to the AFC Championship, but I'm a little more worried about them than the Chiefs. So I'd have the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. <sighs> the the NFC is a little tough. Uh, I got the pa- I know I got the Packers as my team making it to the Super Bowl, but I'm kind of torn because I don't want to say I have the Saints there. Saint, Saints seem to fuck it up every year. They have less chemistry one would imagine this year than past years, just with so many guys missing time. I think Alvin Kamara missed last week. Michael Thomas has missed most of the season. But their defense has been good. I can't really pick the Seahawks. They look so good at the start of the season, and their defenses look better. But their offense has been getting shut down a little bit. I might go on a limb, and, and a lot of it comes down today to if their quarterback plays, but I might go on a limb and say Packers versus Rams. Um, I like the Rams' defense. I think Jalen Ramsey is the toughest matchup for any wide receiver in the league right now. Could get DK Metcalf a tough time this week. Rams just have a great defense, and like Goff might not be at the level of some of these other quarterbacks we're talking about, but they have a great run game. They have like three solid running backs on their team, phenomenal defense, and some good receivers for him to dump it off to in Cubs. So I like the Rams' chances. I guess if I had to pick, maybe go Packers-Rams. Let me just say before Chewy responds, I had a rankings up on my Twitter page, at Seggy Station, of my playoff rankings, and I have the Rams at six, and some rando commented saying there's no way the Rams are at six. I think you just gave some of the reasons why I gave the Rams are at six. Go ahead, Chew. Uh, Mine actually doesn't pertain to football at all. But last night we were talking Four Locos. I went to two different liquor stores and couldn't find them, but I did get a Smirnoff Ice Smash, Richard. Wow, and you're just chugging it right now? Uh, It's done, actually. It's empty. I got wow. Seggy one, too, you're but he's probably taking two sips. Cheers. It's fucking full to the max because this shit's crazy. Give me that. <laughs> I need it. Chewy, need wants so a, Chewy wants a double double rip of it. All right. Uh, I did want to touch on some NBA while you're here before we get off and watch football, though, because... There's a couple oh, topics in the NBA that NCFB. I need to get into, and I know Chewy wants to get into. Before we do that, though, let me just get a bell going so we can get out of here at a reasonable time. Rich. Mellow out playing Lonzo by a good bit. Yeah, we'll talk about that first, I guess, because we've covered it on the pod before. I covered it as the first-time brothers uh, drafted in the top five. You had them playing for the first time last night. And the Pels were up big in that game, like 20 points. It was last night in the NBA. It was a game of like comebacks, a big blowouts. Mm-hmm. And that was just a really good night in the NBA to watch all the games. Uh, Hornets come back in and uh, win the game. I think I gave some apologies to Gordon Hayward. He deserved them. I think some apologies deserved to the Hornets squad. It's like, damn, they're competing a lot harder than I thought. Devontae Graham didn't have his greatest game but he had a better game and i think Lamelo, if he plays more minutes with terry rozier i think the hornets will be competitive and win more games like i think the nba is a lot more competitive than people are gonna give credit for because a team like i thought the thunder is gonna be the worst team ever they're winning games chicago bulls winning games in games up against the lakers last night even though they lost so i think the league is super competitive just all around I think it provides some really good intrigue for obviously with the standings and where they're at and where they are going to be going forward with a play-in tournament and all things like that. 
Uh, I just did want to ask you, though, Rich, before we talk about any of the games or any of the standings or any of the other controversies, particularly Kyrie Irving, I need to get Chu's opinion on that. You got the Mavs, three dudes test positive. They're potentially screwed. You got the Sixers still in quarantine. They got only six available players. They're looking like their game today is going to get postponed, the second game postponed by the NBA. You got the Celtics with a lot of big men, I believe, Tristan Thompson, Robert Williams, the guys we mentioned last night. Jonas Valanciunas got pulled mid-game yesterday for contract tracing. You got, realistically, Rich, all across the league, this looking a lot sketchier, more on my side, than a little bit of what you were telling me. Like, yeah, this will be popping up, but like, won't be as bad as what we've seen in the NFL. I'm almost arguing right now that this is looking a little worse, dude. Like, we've only a couple weeks into the season, and this is not looking ideal if I'm Adam Silver in the league with what's been happening over the past couple days. Yeah, um, I mean, we've gone over the the two different sides to it. Like, the plus side the NBA has to the NFL is, like, less people involved in the team. So if one person gets it, it's less likely to spread around or more people to spread it to in the NFL. The downside of the NBA is you're doing way more traveling than the NFL. Yeah. And they're trying trying to make it less of that. Make sure you're staying in a city, doing a little bit of, like, two-game series with teams, which is, like, doing all they can. But you're still being exposed to different city travel, stuff like that. So there is a risk with it. The only reason I'd still say I'm not – as concerned with the NBA is they have a little bit of time on their side. They want to get back to the normal season schedule, but it's not like the NFL where if not that the NFL had to do this, but like if they had to like, you know, pause for a week for everything or something like that, it would push everything back a good bit just with how the NFL schedule is laid out with the NBA. I mean, their schedule is more condensed this year and they want to be done at the normal time at the end of June. But at the end of the day, if you're there an extra week in July or something like that, and they need to take a week pause, I think they'll do it. And it just goes back to what we said. Like, they're not going to be immune to it. They're not going to do anything to, like, make sure the league doesn't run into any of these issues at all. But I think they're smart enough where they'll stop play if they have to, not just, like, you know, if we get to the point where, like, two, three teams are having to cancel their games, I think Adam Silver would just give it, like, a few days, a week, whatever it is. And I think they'll be fine. Like You like worried about before. COVID in the NBA, I- too? Uh, yeah. For sure. Well, I mean, they're not immune. There's going to be problems. <laughs> it's like any other sport, really. We've seen it before. They're not playing in a bubble. Like Rich said, they travel a lot more. Hopefully they can be safe. Hopefully they can contain outbreaks and um, play it by ear like every other sport, really. So, I did want to get into... We did apologize to the Warriors a little bit. Steph Curry... Went off last night again. Uh, 38 points, 9 threes. Steph Curry's had 26 career games uh, with 9-plus made threes. The second closest is Harden with 9. Clay's got 9, a couple other guys. Uh, dude, it is ridiculous, man. Like, Steph Curry, like, when he's balling like that, when he's making those, like, fade-away, like, you know, falling out-of-bounds, like, threes. Like, dude, I'm watching it, and it's like, as, as much as you hate the Warriors, like, you can't hate that. Like, the dude is just unreal. Is that enough for them to make the playoffs? Like, they're over 500 now. Like, they're looking way better than, like, my Wizards, who are just getting crushed. They're 2-7. and seven. They can't guard a fucking parked car, according to Bradley Beal, and I wouldn't be much on the side of that not being the case. Like, their defense is the worst in the league right now in all categories, if you go look at it. Basically, and to me, it's just stunning to see, like, a Warriors team. Like, I'm like, damn, there's going to be no way they're going to be good. And, like, Steph Curry's doing what 
I didn't expect them to do, which is like carrying this team to wins. Very interesting stat, too, that I saw, Rich. James Harden, back-to-back games of 15 points or fewer since 2017. So the Rockets are winning games, but doing it in a little bit different style than like Harden carrying the team to wins and what we're seeing out of Steph Curry. Can Steph Curry keep this up? Can the Warriors make the playoffs? Rich has been saying on my side, there's no way. I'm curious if Rich is kind of a little bit more changing. I'm curious to see what Shuey thinks about them Warriors. Yeah, um, I'm actually blanking on if we talked about this on the podcast the other day or if I was talking about it with Chu or one of you guys on PlayStation or something like that. But I'll admit I was a little bit wrong about the Warriors. I thought they would be worse than they were. I thought Steph Curry would have a harder time, and I don't think I'm in the minority on that. I think a lot of people were – a lot of rankings were putting Lillard over Steph for this season. And I love Damian Lillard, but – there's no way you can't convince like Lillard has the better team right now and Steph Curry's playing better and has the better record and like it's a 10 game sample size it does not this is not the end all be all by any means but I think we're a lot of people myself included you included were given not given Steph Curry the benefit of the doubt when he definitely deserved it just because it's the recency bias that we always have you don't see him play for a year Durant's gone Clay's gone we're like ah, I don't think he could do it we've seen Lillard crushing and like Look, Steph could do it, man. There's no way to me you could rank Damian Lillard as better than Steph because we've seen Steph be a unanimous MVP, multi-time champion, regardless of who's on his team. And right now, with Steph, with the way they're playing, I mean, if you put Steph on that Warrior or on that Blazers team, you got to imagine they're better. Again, it's a ten-game sample size. I don't want to overreact to it too much, but like I'm just saying this because I think I was being too hard on Steph, and I was wrong on that. Chew, you got the Warriors making the playoffs? I don't think I've been able to ask you this. this I, is... I also got the, I got them making the play-in. I don't have them being like a top eight, but I think they'll make the play-in would be my guess, like that nine or ten spot. If that's how that works, I didn't even know, but I definitely see them being a top ten team in the West, um, no higher than eight for sure if they were to make the playoffs. I think one of the things is, is like a lot of people thought the Warriors would win, I feel like maybe ten games this year, like single <laughs> yeah. digits. Like People thought they were going to be – so bad yeah and like rich said with the recency bias you forget how good and great really and what a generational talent steph curry is i mean what was the stat about uh nine he's got 26 career games of those closest is nine yeah that see that's just absurd and you can change the game i mean if you're scoring three points more often than two obviously like you're gonna come back and catch up that's what we saw last night and he did it at davidson we saw him do fantastic things in college. I know it's a completely different game, but the biggest knock on him was like he's always playing with these other superstars and great guys, and I think he took that to heart, and he's pissed this year, and he's coming out with a vengeance, really trying to just ball out. So I think with that young core they have, you got a guy like Draymond Green too. Um, they're going to be a tough t- uh, play every time you play them, and if you keep that up throughout the course of the season, you're going to be in talks for the playoffs at the end of the season. Just to clean up a little of the stuff from last night, LaMelo Ball, he was one assist away short, becoming the youngest player ever with a triple-double up against his older brother, in which his team got an upset win, in my opinion. Pretty dope. Bradley Beal and the Wizards are 2-7. and seven. They can't guard a parked car in his interview. He's got 101 points over his last two games, 60 points, 20 of 35 field goals, 41 points last night, 16 of 29 field goals, both in losses. When you check in on that, going back to the NBA merger in 76-77, only Michael Jordan, who did it twice, 347 and 337, 
James Harden, 334. Next is Brad Beal, 315 points through his team's first nine games. The difference with this situation is Brad Beal is 2-7. and seven. Harden was 6-3, and three, in which one of those seasons Jordan was 6-3, and three, and another one of those seasons Jordan was 7-2. and two. The guys are winning. The Wizards aren't. Brad Beal obviously frustrated. I don't know what's going on with the Wizards. I don't know how you can't be winning games with Brad Beal doing this, leading the league in scoring, absolutely crushing. Russell Westbrook, in my opinion, still not a bad player, like a good NBA superstar to have on your team. Where else is some of the loss coming from? It's, I just can't believe that they're that bad on the defense side of the ball and they're, they're losing games this bad. It is pretty pretty tough for me. Uh, I did want to touch on this one other topic real quick in the NBA, but also want to know what you guys think of Kyrie Irving's situation. Because I came out here the other day and – let me just first say this. I'm not – like, Kyrie Irving can take the next month off, like, for all I care, honestly. Well, like, if he can't play with everything going – like, I, I totally understand that. I, I would not have a problem with that. Um, Whatever. Like, that's just, like, what I need to get that out of the way first. And I was giving Kyrie a ton of praise the other day because I think he's the most underrated player in the NBA, in my opinion, just because a lot of his off-the-court antics, which, by the way, are continuing. Because not only did he say he didn't need a coach – and not only is he out for personal reasons, which we all know probably what they are, and no one is making... back on that, the not needing a coach thing. He went back on that. Yeah, I'll give him a little bit of credit on this, but this is where I'm not giving him credit, Rich. Is if you say you come back on, you need a coach, why aren't you hitting your coach up telling him you're not going to be at the games for whatever reason or just not going to be at the games? Or the front office. Like, you give your teammates a group text in which you're saying you're not going to be at the games for personal reasons. We all know what they are. We all know what Kyrie's been. He's been in the community and doing things great in social justice reform for years before just this past year. And we all know Kyrie Irving does does and says a lot of stuff that is just, quite frankly, off this planet. But in regards to his play, in regards to what he's doing on the basketball court, you can't deny that he's not one of the top 20 players, in my opinion, in the NBA. For him to not then just be mature enough, in my opinion, to contact his coach, in which Rich said he walked it back a little bit, oh, we need a coach. Just contact your coach, man. Tell him you're not going to be around for a couple games, whatever it is. Let him know what's going on. I know Steve Nash then comes across in the fire as having to like respond to the media and be like, oh, like everyone's saying like, oh, he got caught in the media because like he he didn't want to make it seem like, oh, he didn't know where Steve Nash wa- or where Kyrie was. Like he just like res- answered the question like, dude, bullshit. Like to me, it's on Kyrie. Like why aren't you responding to your coach in your front office of why you're not going to be at your job? To me, that's just not a good look. Uh, that's just all I got to say on that. Um, I mean, I think you're right. Go first, Rich. Um, I think the first point you made is an important one. Like, it's hard to – it's hard – for me, the only reason I give him the benefit of the doubt, and this really isn't – it's hard to say because there's no way for us to know the team's the only one that would know, is, like, what Steve Nash's and the team's actual reaction was when they saw that. Like, did they genuinely not know where it was or was – because, like, I imagine with, like, like you said, how involved Kyrie's been, like, most people – knew what was going on where, like, he's not in a position to play. But I fully agree with you. That doesn't, like, absolve you from needing to tell people, like, hey, I'm not going to be there. Like, hey, not up for this. Because, like you said, like, no one will have a problem with that. Or, like, for the most part, any reasonable person's not going to have a problem with that. Like, got it, dude. You just got to, you know, same for me. Like, if I had someone in my family die tomorrow, my boss would never ask me to come to work, but he'd be pissed 
if he didn't know why I wasn't at work. Yep. So like I, I I get I get that side of things, but uh, I I'm just giving him the only reason I give him the benefit of the doubt, and I'm basically in the middle here. I'm kind of just playing devil's advocate because I know the side both of you guys are on here. Um, the only reason I give him the benefit of the doubt is if you see how involved he's been, I could imagine. I could see the team and people on the team just being like, yo, like we know what's going on. Like it's not a D Rose with the Knicks, like, yo, where is this dude? What the fuck's going on? Like it's like we know what's good. Like he's not in a good spot right now, whatever. But like I'm with you guys. You still gotta say something. But uh, I'm just talking taking the counterpoint, arguing the other side a little bit. I mean, I'm a Kyrie guy. I'm a Kyrie fan. I think he's done a lot of great shit in the community, and I think he's incredible as a, as a basketball player, and I just think some of the stuff he does off the court, including not doing this, is a problem. Go ahead. Yeah, the only thing I want to say is I hope he's okay mentally. Uh, it certainly appears that he struggles with some things in his mind. Um, if you need to take time off, like you said, and it's personal stuff and, you know, what went on, during the, you know, in the capital and stuff like that. If you need to take time, that's fine. But uh, at the end of the day, no one is better than anyone else. So I agree with you in the sense that he needs to reach out to those people, tell them how he's feeling, and he's not going to be able to be there. And then it's all gravy. I mean, it's going to be all gravy anyways when he comes back because he's probably going to drop two straight 40-point games and everyone's going to forget that this even happened. But that's my only thing. Like you said, if... You had something personal going on, and you didn't show up for work. Your boss would be pissed when you told him he'd understand, but he'd still be pissed that you didn't reach out to him. Same thing goes for me. Same thing goes for Seg. Same thing goes for everyone in the United States, um, except obviously probably a few select people who are a little lucky. but um, Including Kyrie Irving. Yeah, but that's the thing. I think it's just... You need to hold yourself accountable. Because he's going to get a and- passive with everything going on, obviously. Mm-hmm. Like, no shit. But I'm just still saying, like... Hey, man, when you're trying to set a culture for, like, a championship-level team, a team that mm-hmm. I think should be, like, first in the East, potentially, with, like, everything going on, like, now COVID and, like, KD quarantine, like, we, I get it. Like, Spencer Dinwiddie down. Like, all right, they might not be first in the East, but, like, this is a team that's going to make the playoffs. Like, you're trying to set a better culture for not only your teammates, but just your fan base to actually, like, want to support, like, that you're actually going to compete. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, you guys know me. I shit on Kyrie all the time, but, like, Honestly, I just hope he's good because it seems like in the past few years, like, he's not all there, honestly. Like, he's a little messed up or something. So I hope he's fine and figures it out. When he's on the court, he absolutely balls out. But he's got a lot of different thoughts running through his mind. Yeah, I mean, dude, I do too. But, like, I don't, <laughs> That's do, true, yeah. I don't do shit like that. Like, I, I don't so not hit up my boss. Like, yeah, I don't exactly. know. It's, just, yeah. it's to each their own. I did want to cover two quick things on this, Rich. I don't know if I brought this up before, but I think the NBA should have what is the NFL red zone for NBA, if that makes sense. Did you guys yeah. see this? There was like a thing that, that they put out on it yeah. where there's a whole uh, bunch of stuff, and I'm going to try and find it. Rob, Rob Perez has put out a bunch of tweets like ever, like almost nightly on like how he thinks it should Here it is. how it would be. He does a good job. Here it is. Minimum of six games playing concurrently, max maximum of two games on the screen at once. The picture-in-picture mobile viewing experience. Broadcast the end-of-close game, staggering form as they often overlap. Viewer-enable votum system, crowd source, which game's action should be shown next. Highlight packages for players performing well doing lulls in action. Cut away from any game showing free throws. Triple-double watch when a player's one 
away from either. This Career- is 100% Rob Perez's tweet. Yeah, yeah. Career high watch when a player is one of two points away. Halftime account montage. Like all that survival pool update with fans picking correctly. Like, dude, this is... That's, I would pay for this. Yeah. I would pay for this. Why like, aren't they doing this? I just want to get this in real quick. Some of the things you mentioned at the beginning sound very similar to the first two days of March Madness. Literally. Where you have so many different games, and they're bouncing back, they're showing the scores, they cut to different things at the end of games. Uh, I'm excited for that. that would, no, this is, a, this that. is not a thing. This is just like a made-up thing. No, but I, I know, think they I should know, do this. And like I know Rich is a big like illegal streamer guy with the games. But like, Rich, tell me you wouldn't no, buy you this. Can't say tell me you wouldn't buy this. I said legal, not illegal. Just to watch more games, but like NBA League Pass is really terribly put together. I live on the New York line in Connecticut. I can't watch the Nets or the Knicks or any nationally televised games. When there's six games on, that's usually three of the six games on. So it's like, oh, word, I got the Hornets versus the Magic here, but can't watch any of the three good games on League Pass where I just watch them on other platforms anyway. So like... That would be what I think is, and I'm not saying, I agree with everything he said. It's an amazing idea. Where I think they'd run into the issue, I don't know this for a fact, is the reason they can't air those games on NBA League Pass is because of all these like stupid deals they have with like local television networks. Like I'm on the New York line, so I'm supposed to watch on like Yes Network and MSG, but I don't get Yes Network and MSG. But like those local television uh, companies need, uh, need the views going to them. So I think that would be the tough part of how red zone would work. And they'd also still want people or how, whatever it is, NBA red zone would work, but I think they'd still want people paying for league pass too. So I'm not optimistic it would happen, but no, I would, I would pay for that in a second. Yeah. yeah I mean, I think anybody would, they should definitely do that. If, you're, if they're the NBA, they're trying to make up for some lost money. Like, let's go here. Let's get an NBA red zone. Like I just told yeah. you how you could do it. Like, let's do it. The NBA also announced that they're going to have an 18 team G league to play at Walt Disney beginning uh, in February. Uh, Lance Stevenson, Michael Beasley, Jeremy Lin, a few guys mentioned to make it into that draft. Any of you guys interested in watching the NBA G League? I'll watch Lance Stevenson play basketball any day of the week. Uh, I'm probably not going to watch that, but I will watch highlights of Francisco Lindor making plays up the middle at shortstop. Just wanted to get that in there. Um, I'm very excited. I just saw another tweet. Um... Fun little nugget in the 2013 Futures game. I know we are talking basketball, but I switched to baseball because I'm so excited. Um, 2013 Futures game was played at City Field, same place that hosted the All-Star game that Matt Harvey started. But in the Futures game, which is all prospects, which are all guys that are studs now, uh, featured Noah Syndergaard, Francisco Lindor, Brandon Nimmo, James McCann, and they are all Mets. And oh, there was also one other person that was there that might be a Met. George motherfucking Springer, boys. <laughs> Rich, are you fucking chewy? Rich, are you gonna watch any of the G League? When did you say that would start? Uh, mid February. Um, realistically, I'd love to say yes, but there's almost zero chance if there's like down the stretch college basketball and NBA going that I'm watching G League NBA. <laughs> if it was during the summer, yeah, but probably not. I mean, it sounds cool, but like just being realistic, if there's good college basketball and good NBA on, I'm probably not looking for G League games. <laughs> Smats bomb. What you got, Smats? Baseball related. <laughs> oh boy. The Washington Nationals have signed Kyle Schwarber to a one year, ten million dollar deal. 
Um, he is a left fielder that doesn't Cubs. know how to play left field. If there's a, a DH, guy. it's a great music, uh, great move, but otherwise it's kind of tough. Yeah, he's a Cubs guy, if that's what you said. Yeah. He absolutely mashes dingers. <laughs> that's Chewie's favorite, is dingers. Rich, um, the NBA Coaches Challenge... It, I wanted to talk about this like going way back to the start of the season. I found this note randomly while I was cleaning my room, so I want to just ask you real quick about it now. Um, it returned for 2021. We've probably seen it a bunch in these games, right? Um, why do these coaches not get another challenge if they win? Like, I've seen a couple coaches have to use their challenge so early in a game because the call is so blatantly missed, which, by the way, a known NBA referee, one of the toughest jobs in the country. But here's the deal, man. Why can't they get another challenge if they win, like the NFL? Like here, Or why, if they lose, they lose a timeout or something. Like, change it up. If you're going to keep the challenge, like, don't do it so they can challenge in the first quarter and then not have a challenge in the rest of the game in which they probably could use it in the rest of the game. I get it. There's strategy involved in that and when you want to use it, but I don't know. Like, do you think that that should be a thing? You should be able to. I don't even understand it, to be honest, why it's not a thing. It makes absolutely zero sense to me. I think it's a, to be honest, I think it's a dumb move by coaches that use their challenge early in the game, even when they're sure they're right. And I've heard the counter argument to it. It's like, well, saving two points is saving two points at any point in the game. But I like yes technically but no no technically like saving two points at the beginning might just not change the game at all whereas saving two points at the end of the game might be the difference agreed anytime i see a coach use it at the beginning of the game i've seen like the analytical argument like three points is three points like it doesn't matter when the three points is like yes it does yeah the game is totally changed by that point at the end of the game it has way more direct impact at the end of the game agreed if i were i think the rule is dumb and if you're right you should get your challenge back but the way it's set up right now, if I was an NBA coach, there's zero shot I would use my challenge, no matter how sure I was it was right outside of the fourth quarter. Like that's just an absolute waste of a challenge. No, I, I agree. Get, I so many coaches do it, and it makes zero sense to me. It seems like the worst strategy move in the entire world. I agree. I uh, I think the NBA should fix that, but I also would agree in your take on that. I've seen it so many times too. Like first quarter, they're like they're challenging like an out of bounds call to like get the ball. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Like. I've seen it so many times when you only have one challenge. Like, I, I just don't Rick get that. Carlisle. Rick Carlisle had an interview at the end of the game, and they asked him why he did it in the first quarter. And he's like, how much is a three worth in the first quarter? And they were like, three points. He's like, how much it worth in the fourth quarter? They're like, three points. They're like, that's why I did it. And it's like, yes, that's correct in a way. But, like, n- no, do not sit here and tell me a three with – Five minutes into the game is worth the same, but it's three with two minutes left in the game. That's not the same thing. Yeah, I, I, no, I disagree with that for sure. I, I I don't understand the strategy in that. Um, I did want to shout out – I did want to get you a couple takes, just random fun things on the way out here. I saw a quote from John Wall saying, I feel like I'm the greatest shot-blocking point guard of all time. Dwayne Wade. I, I would – you think it's Dwayne Wade? He was a shooting guard. In fact, it's Dwayne Wade. But he's, he's very he's good. Guard. He said point guard. I thought you you said guard. Okay, uh, maybe. Because I think he's right on that. Like, John Wall has had some incredible chase down blocks for a point guard, and I can't think of any other point guard that it does the way John Wall does block it. Like, I saw one. Honestly, to get, like, historical. Dwayne Wade's definitely there, but he's a shooting guard. Go ahead. What about uh, Magic? I mean, you have a 6'9 center. I'm sure he was getting blocks. I don't know what the numbers are, and I don't know if he had any anything as 
good as a highlight is John Wall chasing a dude back on a fast break and, you know, swatting it off the backboard. But yeah. with a guy that's, you know, 6'10", has that wingspan to be your point. I just thought that was here. an interesting quote. And, like, realistically, as I read that, I'm like, dude, what, he's what about, right. What about Ben Simmons? Um, I just... Do you early. call him a point guard that. anymore or too that. early? I know he's a point guard, but it's like, yeah, damn, he's the size of a power forward. <laughs> yeah, but so was Magic Johnson. He was the first to do it like that. Uh, Magic Johnson, I'm looking at it now. His block numbers at the start of his career were okay, like .7 a game. But his last, like, six years, it was, like, .2 a game. So I would not say it's Magic Johnson. Dude, he had AIDS. Sorry, he had HIV. <laughs> I apologize. Um... No, I get what you were saying, though. Just a lanky, long, long dude. Like, I, I get that. Uh, John Wall. How many blocks did Muggsy Bogues like have? Did you guys see players that players there's a D. Wade playing on Cleveland right now? Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. Dean Wade? Dean Wade from um, Kansas State. <laughs> and Dwayne Wade says, I hope he plays better in Cleveland than I did. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> um, Greg Popovich jumping in the air looking like Doc Brown is oh, yeah. classic. Like... Greg Pop looking like Doc Brown right now, basically freaking out like he fixed something with his time machine. I I, I absolutely love Greg Pop and his look right now. Need to give that a quick shout out. I'll post that picture to my Instagram very shortly. Uh, let's see if I have anything else. Then we're about to go. Birthdays. Chewie's got birthdays. Oh, this is my last shout out of the day. The I was talking about this yesterday, literally in my in the car with my brother on the way home. We were behind a bus and I think of, I think of like bus drivers. Like I know a bus driver that's worked as a bus driver for like what? Like 40, 50 years. I think of like a janitor. Like when we were at HK, like the dude, the janitor at HK had literally been working there for like 40 years. Like I'm, I'm, I look at myself and I, and I'm like, all right, man, like I don't have the greatest job in the world. Like it's not like you don't get the most money, like whatever. Like it's not the flashiest job. It's not the coolest job, but it's pretty good. And if I say for 40, 50 years in this, like I'll be content with that. I'd be content as this man. What's his name? Fred cast. What a name to have too. When you're a broadcaster, his name's Fred cast for the warriors. He called his last game last night and the warriors had a tribute to him. He wanted to have him make his last shot. He had been doing it for 58 years. Can you imagine if you did that for a job for 58 years? That would be incredible. Like, when I look back, if I'm able to live that long and say, man, I did my job for 58 years, I really hope I'm able to enjoy it as much as I'm sure that man have. The tribute that the Warriors did for him, not only signing the ball, but letting him make a shot and taking a picture with him after the fact was incredible. I just needed to shout that out before we get into birthdays and before we get out of here today. If you guys have anything on that. Just another tribute for a classy organization in the Warriors that I tend to shit on because they were really good. Uh, all I can say is that absolutely brought a smile to my face to see that. Uh, that guy couldn't hit a layup to save his life, but man, could he keep score. I'm glad he <laughs> hit his last shot. Same. Rich. Yeah. I mean, agreed. That was my dream job growing up. NBA announcer. That's what I always wrote in like elementary school and stuff. Or I, actually, I don't think it was NBA. I think I wrote like sports announcer. Love I that. I, actually, I think I actually wrote MLB announcer because at the time I loved uh, Don Arcello and Jerry Remy. Love it. Let's do it, Rich. That's Let's start a booth. <laughs> that's five. That's fabulous content for the pat the pod. All right, we're about to go because I'm trying to watch the football games. Chewy, you got birthdays before we go? Of course, I have birthdays before we go. All right, get into them. I'll get the recording <laughs> going. 
I haven't done birthdays in a minute. I know. We've missed some good ones, but that's all right. Yeah, we did. This so camera today is and shot birthdays. today. People we watching have... this are going to have a fucking seizure. Yeah, that's all right. I'm going to have a seizure, too. <laughs> <laughs> Two-time Super Bowl MVP, Bart Starr. We have Dick Enberg, who was a sportscaster. I know he worked for ESPN, CBS, maybe TNT. I, I might be missing one. Uh, Otis Nixon, who is a Red Sox outfielder. Shout out to you guys. Uh, I mentioned him earlier while we were rambling about something. I just peppered his name in. But the shortest dude to ever play basketball in the NBA, Muggsy Bogues. Nice. Um, the dude who leaves all the nasty tips at restaurants now. Was a stud receiver for the Bengals back in the day, Chad Ocho Cinco Johnson. <laughs> Love that. And um, when I saw this one, it had me thinking. I don't have my notebook today for when we started the pod a year ago, year, a year and a month or so. But I have to go back and double check my notebook because it's <laughs> in my car. But I have Sergio Garcia listed as a birthday, and I'm pretty sure we had the same one a year ago so happy birthday wow. to you a year has flown by so fast it really has Blake Martinez's birthday I saw that I'm gonna throw that in there. Pro Bowl snub by the way and Blake Martinez um all right boys hey rich much love coming through hopefully we can link up next week and talk about how the NFL shaked out maybe get into a little more of the NBA discussion be through three weeks and hopefully the nba can keep it going chew much love to you coming on talking mets today let's go mess that's fire all right rich well maybe we'll play some games or something we'll be watching the games yes sir all right peace peace. adios let me crush it on this from absolute country love it what an absolute country is right. Much love, Chu. I'm Much glad you came you, back to talk your Mets, to cover the picks before the NFL playoffs started. It's been, like you said, a really fast year. I'm really pumped to hopefully, before you come back next time, get this thing squared away where now the studio is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Some of the stuff we got going on is real great with the pod, and hopefully I can link up with Jason. We got to go see Jason because I need to convince him to help me learn more about OBS, in which case then maybe I can have a little bit more popping off. Yeah, Jay's a chungus, but I love him. Chungai Jay. That's right. All right. We got some football to watch. If you're still listening at this point, thank you for sticking along for the ride. Um, the ride's going to continue. We have a lot more stuff to get through. Yeah, this, year, this is but... you got to come back as soon as you can because there's stu- stuff I need to get into with you. The Broncos, the head coaching vacancies, and some of the draft stuff. So we have some stuff to get into for sure. It's not going to be All anywhere. The Drew Lock yeah, for sure. It's not going anywhere That's anytime right, for soon. Sure. But that's all I had for the airwaves today. Appreciate all listening as always. And as always, I still have no shame what I had to say. Just a man with a nickname. Till next time, everybody. Peace and love. Stumbling over my words because I'm just trying to get out of here to watch football. I think it's starting right about now. Hey, treat people the way you want to be treated. Much luck, people. Seggy Station. Deuces.